we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Church family, you know that uh, Pastor Danny has started a tradition here in Lagos that on the very last Sunday of each of our sermon series, he likes to do a panel discussion. I love this. I love this because uh, we get to hear from each other some words of testimony about what God's word in during this, uh, during this study has meant to each of us. And this study of Solomon has been such a rich study on building, uh, building a place of worship and approaching God and building with wisdom, all of that. This has been a really rich study. And so I want to introduce you to Haley Johnson and to Rudy De La Garza, uh, both uh, members here at First Baptist Church and part of Logos. Uh, Haley uh, has, is married to her husband, Peyton. She's been a member here. They've been a member here for about two years. She is a marine biologist, but also a seventh grade life science teacher, which is very cool. Guess which one of those is the more difficult calling? <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, we're going to hear from Haley and, then, Haley and then Rudy De La Garza. Rudy has been here for about a year, uh, is also working with BSM. Uh, whoop, let's hear it from BSM. We, 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 we love BSM, Baptist Student Ministries on campus here in San Antonio. And uh, love just having both of you guys here. Uh, grateful for both of you. And so I'm just going to uh, uh, ask them some questions that are completely unfair that... Uh, no, that's not true. I'm, I'm going to ask them some questions that I actually sent them ahead of time to get the, let them think about these a little bit. Uh, that I think that I think uh, Danny uh, has been kind of leading us towards. Uh, first question is this: I may or may not be one of these people, but some of us, some people, when we see that wow, we're going to be studying First and Second Chronicles for 13 weeks. Some of us are like, wow, this is, these are like stories that are a thousand years old, and what in the world are we supposed to do with stories that are a thousand years old? So really, that's, that's really my first question. How do you guys, how did you guys draw life applications from this story about building the temple that happened so long ago? Haley, you have a pretty unique uh, uh, perspective on this, so I want to start with you. Uh, how do you draw life applications from these stories that happened so long ago? Sure. I have a Jewish background as well. So when I hear that I need to read Old Testament in church, that's very familiar to me. Um, Old Testament is what I've been trained in quite a bit. So I love reading Old Testament, but when you have Jesus and Old Testament together, you see that fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of what Jesus promised us. Um, so linking it to what we all hear regularly in New Testament, um, you have that, that beautiful parallel. Um, but Specifically about Solomon, I thought it was just really, really interesting. Um, God uses all sorts of people to do different tasks. 
um, just based off of how his glory can shine through us. And David was actually the one who made all the plans for the temple. Um, and then he had to pass that down to his son, which thinking about David, I would have a very hard time planning and making this grand thing um, if I made a beautiful lesson plan for my seventh graders and then had to pass that down to someone else to do it. Um, I think that would be a difficult thing, but God chose Solomon uh, to do the building of that. So we all have different roles in his body, um, just like he fulfills what he desires in Old Testament and New Testament. That's exactly right. Then all of those are, are takeaways from various lessons that we had during uh, watching Solomon in the building of the temple. That's, that's awesome. That's really good. How about you, Rudy? When you, when, you, when you think about this story that happened so long ago, how do you, how do you pull life applications from it for our lives today? Well, um, I've seen um, the application of it is more having to do with the structure and the intentionality of these people during the building of the temple. Um, the building of the temple was not just one sole moment. Um, even before Solomon was crowned king, to the fine details of the temple itself, to the roles that were distributed amongst the individuals, all these things took planning. They took a financial effort. They took long hours of hard work. And all of this structure and intentionality was for one sole purpose, and that was to honor and glorify God. And as we fast forward to today, I don't have any sort of talent in building a physical building and no sort of archaeological degree, archaeological, architectural <laughs> degree. Um, you gave me a Lego set. I might be able to put that yeah, together. Yeah, there you go. But um, either way, these people, the structure and the intentionality that they had, the zeal that they had to do this stuff, we should still have this too. So one day I find, the one way I found applying this to my life is through my physical schedule. Um, I'm really a person that's unstructured. I like spontaneous events, which there's plenty of. But having that time that you're setting aside for God, time to pray, time to read scripture, time to Sabbath, time to fellowship, and just the opportunity to grow day by day. Um, my physical schedule, that's how I'm structuring my life, and that's what I've taken out of this series. I, I love that. I love that. That's a great takeaway from this. Yeah, I think for me, uh, when I think about the temple, and I try to draw applications for us currently, I'm just reminded of all the places in, in particularly in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul wanted us to remember, no, you are the temple today. Because just as the, the, pre, the very presence of God lived in the temple at the time of Solomon, the very presence of God lives in us today. And so um, whenever, whenever I read about the temple and, and, and these lessons and stories around the temple, uh, the easiest way for me to draw current application of that is to think, well, what does that mean then for me as God's living temple, um, carrying the presence of God in me out into this lost and broken world? What does what the temple then look like for, to, for me today? And that's, that's really um, all that Jesus made possible as a result of, of, of his resurrection. Okay, so one of the things I love that Pastor Danny did, has done throughout this whole unit is he... He's used the, the, the layout of the temple kind of as a metaphor for how you approach God. So as you move closer to God, there are these implements that are representative of sacrifice, that are representative of, of the presence of God. And, and so uh, the, 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 the building of the temple and the structure of the temple is actually a story about how we approach God and what is involved with our approach of God. I love that he did that with this. So for you guys, uh, what, has, what, was your, some of, what are some of your takeaways in terms of uh, what this taught you about approaching God? Go ahead, Haley. Go first, yeah. 
Um, so back at the time when the scripture was written, all of the false gods that other people followed, um, they only lived in their temple. Um, but when Solomon, or when David thought of the idea to build a temple and Solomon ended up building that temple, um, that was kind of a weird thing for, for our God because he does not belong only in the temple, only in the building. He's, he's everywhere. He didn't need a temple like those other false gods did. Um, so I think just as we, as we use a church um, and as that temple is being built, the people knew that that's not the only place they can find God. It's just a reminder that God is present and he is worth all of this worship. He is worth all of this glory and all this work we're putting into it. Um, so even though it's not needed for our God, it's a wonderful reminder for us to say, this is how you should come to God. Yeah, yeah. you picked up on so many of those places in uh, scripture where God said, even to Solomon, look, I don't need this place. You're not doing this for me. I don't need a place to live. Um, uh, and, and when I talked about this, a lot of times I talked about it as the temple was almost like the park bench to go and meet God. It's not that he lived there, but he, he would meet people there. He would meet us there. And, and it was very much like that, a similar takeaway to what you were saying. What about you, Rudy? Uh, how do you, what would that mean to you, that metaphor? Um, well, uh, first of all, Pastor Danny's preaching. Oh, I love it. Oh, I, can, I can geek out. He's not here right now. But um, I really, um, it's really cool how Pastor Danny's sermons always connect to the gospel. And the way that we see these, uh, these individuals... Um, as they were out here, they're out here doing the work for God. They're out here pushing further and further into the, uh, just trying to get the temple together. But um, my, my mind drew a blank. I'm so sorry. But uh, uh, one thing that Danny said in one of his sermons is that the temple wasn't made for God to live in, which you guys covered. Um, really, how, who are we as human beings to make anything that is, even comes close to being, being worthy enough to hold the God Almighty? Uh, no, the temple was more for us, for us to give that glorification to God in so many different ways. And as we go forward into, into um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, our bodies are now the temples. They withhold the Holy Spirit. And now, just as they were using the temples to glorify God, now we're glorifying God in every aspect of our lives, not just in church or Bible studies or praying before dinner, but in everything. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that's exactly right. And, and for me, as I thought about, uh, as I would watch Danny point out the, the layout of the temple and as approaching God requires, first of all, it requires a level of sacrifice. When I asked myself, what does that mean for us today? Well, again, Paul was so good about answering that question. He told us what acts of worship and what sacrifice look like today. He said it in Romans 12. He said, I urge you, therefore, brothers, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to him, which is your spiritual act of worship. So what he's pointing out to us there is every single time I bend my will to meet God's will, every time I sacrifice something that I want in order to pursue what God wants, that's, a, that's worship. That is an act of worship. And, and so approaching God requires this routine, this rhythm of constantly bending my will to meet God's will and to do God's will and to, to be obedient to him. And that is that act of worship. And, and so it does. It's a beautiful illustration that any kind of approaching God requires some level of sacrifice on our part. All right. So 
the study of God's word, which this has been for 13 weeks, the study of, of First and Second Chronicles, the study of God's word and particularly doing it in, in the small groups like we do here at this church, that should change us, right? That should, there should be ta- takeaways that end up changing how we see ourselves or how we see God or how we see the world around us. And so, uh, last question, give me, give me some, of, some of the ways that you feel like you have been changed as a result of this study. Haley? Rudy, go first. That'll be fine. Um, uh, one thing that I see is uh, honesty. Yes, God really does reveal things to us when we're deep in our time of prayer and time of scripture, giving him that active time. Um, it's, it's so, so true. And if you look into scripture, you see back then these people, um, God could have left them at any point in time. I'm, if I had the power God had and these people frustrated me the way I'm assuming that they did back then, I would have just like, let's just end this and start over, you know? But no, God didn't do that. Um, God had plans for them. He had plans for welfare and not for evil. And as he continued to use them to build the temple, we look into now and we see that God still has not left us. God is still with us. God is still pushing us, even though that we have found this salvation the same way these people were used as instruments to build the temple. Now we're being used as instruments to share the gospel, which is to build the kingdom that is to come. I love that. And that's exactly what you are busy doing through BSM is the sharing of the gospel and, and helping, helping students hear the gospel from friends, from people that they know and that they love. I love that. I love that. How about you, Haley? How, how's this affected you? How's it impacted you? How's this study changed you? Yeah, I think prioritizing the gospel is exactly right, what Rudy was talking about. Um, I keep thinking to uh, my experience when I was in Israel, um, people are actually trying to rebuild the second temple, so now the third temple. Um, they're, they're making preparations to build it now. All of the Orthodox Jews over there uh, believe that until they build this temple, their Messiah will not be coming. Um, and so it's just so important for us to realize The temple is not the end-all, be-all. Jesus is. Um, And Jesus is going to return regardless of whether that third temple is built. Uh, But right now, it it has to be rebuilt on the Temple Mount, which is the Temple Mount, uh, which is where it was all those other times um, when it was rebuilt again. Um, And so right now, it's under Muslim control. And so no Jews are safe going there. They obviously cannot build a building there. Um, and everything around it, there is, there is land around it that Jews live on. Um, and those Orthodox Jews are, are cultivating the grains. They're, they're making so many preparations that the grains that would be sacrifices in that temple are being grown all around it. Yeah. Um, if you go to the Wailing Wall and you just turn behind you, uh, you'll see a staircase up to this massive gold menorah, uh, which would be the main menorah in the temple when they rebuild it. They have a stash pile of money for building materials when it comes. And uh, their, their priorities are all in uh, following the law and building it to a T and, and all, of those, all of those things, how, how God told David to write it and how Solomon built it. Um, but that's not the point. The point is Jesus. So yeah. um, there's, the tradition is beautiful. Um, all of the work that they put into to give glory to God and to give worship to God, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Uh, but without Jesus, it does not matter. Yeah, and to go back to, uh, to it's kind of like, it's kinda like uh, the children's sermon today. It's, there's an order of things, and without Jesus, all those other things don't matter. And so I love that. I love that takeaway. 
Haley Johnson, Rudy De La Garza, thank you guys. Thanks for both for joining us and for sharing your testimony about what God's been doing through this study. For you guys, I'm grateful. Thanks. If we, if we don't get Jesus, if we don't get Jesus in, the, in the right place in the midst of all of these stories, then, we, they're, then they're just stories. But Jesus is what makes these stories meaningful to each of us. I'm reminded um, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount uh, when, he was, when he had his disciples out, outside on this mountainside and was, was teaching them about the law and teaching them about what he intends and why he came and all those things. This is in Matthew chapter 6. He was making a comment to them about these are the way this is the way the world thinks, but this is the way I want you to think. And the world tends to worry about a lot of stuff, a lot of material things. Who's where am I going to get my clothes? Who's going to feed me? Those kinds of things. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-one. He said, "Don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts." Of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. That's exactly what Pastor Jimmy was telling the children today. Seek first the kingdom of God, because Jesus understood how damaging it can be if the material things are what are driving our lives. He, he knew well what I would call the Solomon experience. Do you know what I mean by that? The, the, the reverse passage this week was all about just the, the sheer opulence of, of Solomon's lifestyle, the gold and the silver and the ivory and all of the, all of the stuff that he had. And, and the chronicler uh, did exactly what the chronicler set out to do. The chronicler set out to, to, to encourage the people of Israel as they were coming out of exile to tell them, remember, we were a great nation at one point. And so he, he chronicled for them all that they were and all that Solomon was and how that kingdom was, at least by the world standards, the very pinnacle of success. Jesus knew well. Jesus knew well the Solomon experience. But the bottom line for Solomon was because of everything that he had, because of all of the wealth that he had, because of all of the power that he had, because of all the wisdom and the influence that he had, he literally could have or do whatever he wanted to have or do, whatever he wanted. And therein lies the problem. When we have the resources and the power and the influence to get and to do whatever we want, then it's, it becomes less and less important to us what God wants. And what Solomon figured out was Eventually, I think by the end of his life, if, if you agree with me, I happen to be one who tends to believe that Solomon probably gave us Ecclesiastes. Not everybody know, believes that, but I, I believe that was probably the wisdom of Solomon that gave us the book of Ecclesiastes. But, but this, what Solomon had in his possession, verse 13 of the reverse passage, each year Solomon received about 25 tons of King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. Kings from every nation came to consult him 
to hear the wisdom of God God had given him. Verse 26, he ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt and south. Guys, he had all the power and all the resources in the world to do whatever he wanted. But what he wanted, and this was the problem, and this is what Jesus knew, what Solomon wanted would never be quite good enough for the people of Israel because what God wanted is what was best for them. Solomon had wisdom, but he didn't necessarily want all the right things. He didn't necessarily want the things that would be best. Um, He had the opportunity to try and find significance in a lot of things, and this is why I think that he probably is who gave us uh, Ecclesiastes, because in Ecclesiastes, which is this beautiful book of, of I tried this and, there, and found nothing, and I tried this, it was all meaningless, everything he tried. Ecclesiastes teaches us about the futility of pleasure, about the futility of justice, the world's systems of justice, about the futility of work, about the futility of political power, about the futility of wealth, even about the futility of human wisdom itself. Ecclesiastes finally ends, the writer of Ecclesiastes, who I think was Solomon, finally ends in chapter 12, verse 13 with this, these words. He says, and that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. In other words, all of these things were a chasing of the wind. All of these things were vanity. All of these things were worth nothing in the end. Here's my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. For the man who had everything he needed to do, anything he wanted, at the end of his life to come to this conclusion of, I tried finding significance in pleasure It didn't work. It's not there. I tried finding significance in working hard. It's not there. I tried finding significance in the world's systems of justice. It's not there. All of these things, the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, was like a chasing of the wind. It's like eating cotton candy. It tastes good when it goes in your mouth, and then it it just kind of disappears. It's meaningless. It's nothing. You want to know the, what, what's meaningless? You want to know where meaning lies? Solomon would say at the end is, do what God wants. Over the course of our lifetime, begin to give up what you want in order to pursue what God wants. And that's why I say Jesus knew the Solomon experience and Jesus gave us the best counsel when it comes to this. Jesus said, if you will commit the rest of your life to seeking First, the kingdom of God. Figure out what God wants and bend your will and let go of what you want in order to pursue what God wants. That's where you find significance. That's where you find meaning. And I think that's the lesson from Solomon. When we, when we get to the end of all of this and he's succeeded in building this amazing, astounding temple, there's so many rich lessons in here about the presence of God, the manifest presence of God and, and the importance of prayer and worship and how, how, where all of these things play. The, the bottom line at the end of Solomon's life was what I just read you. The conclusion is this, fear God and obey God. And if you'll do that, that's what lies. 
Jesus is what is who made that possible. Jesus is who makes it possible for us to even know what God wants, let alone to fear him and obey him. Jesus has got to be at the center of that. He got it right. He knew what we needed to know. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, uh, we confess to you that we live in a culture that is so obsessed with stuff. It's obsessed with this culture, with material things, with wealth. We get that. We see that. And it's obsessed, Father, with celebrity and with power and with influence. Obsessed. And yet, what, what you're saying to us here, Father, and we confess to you that this is such a hard thing for us to get our hearts wrapped around, what you're saying to us here is none of that wealth matters, none of that influence matters, none of that celebrity matters if all we're doing with it is pursuing what we want. That, that none of it finds eternal significance unless we begin to pursue what you want rather than what we want. So will you teach us that, Lord? Will you, will you take the rest of each of our lives to slowly, gradually, surely, day by day, moment by moment, teach us what it means to let go of what we want in order to pursue what you want? This is our prayer, Father. Give us the wisdom to pursue what you want. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.